every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. Matthew 12.25 Division, deception, misinformation, mistrust. In a nation where so many in the faith are wondering how we got here, and many question if there's any way to reconcile, we bring you a space designed to ensure that truth reclaims the fringes, open, honest, and real, no filter. Nothing is off limits, nothing is out of bounds. This is Two Americas, One God. folks welcome oh my gosh 95 years later all right maybe not 95 but still hey what is going on welcome to two americas one god a podcast designed to make sure that the truth continues to reclaim the fringes like i don't think you can really make that sound sexy but i attempted well i'm also not sure it's possible yeah yeah no it's probably not that's all good though but welcome guys hey my name is jordan my name is devin and we are excited to have y'all on this episode we're excited to be kicking things off we're excited to be doing a whole lot of things because it's long overdue <laughs> well technically is it overdue if this is kind of brand new i mean it's a brand new overdue maybe yeah it's it's not like we came back with the same thing, so there was this hiatus. We just, it's something new now. Yeah. Oh, that kind of makes it underdone. Yeah. Nah. Okay. It's it works. Just, it's just seared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that, that. That's what it is. It's it's seared and, and underdone. So it's Pittsburgh Rare. Oh, Welcome to this Pittsburgh favorite. Rare podcast, folks. Anyway, yeah, we are, uh, like I said, excited, but we got a lot a lot a lot to to talk about you know the the core tenets of this podcast are really just the founded on the understanding that there's a lot of unnecessary division in this world uh and especially in the united states of america Uh, and on today we just want to take a second and do an organic not necessarily rabbit trail per se we got some questions we got some thoughts we're going to get those out there but we just really want to put the fundamental elements of our conversation here into the atmosphere. And so that's what we're looking forward to. I think we should just probably get right into it because I got a funny feeling (laughs) it's going to be that kind of conversation on today. Like I said, we are ultra unfiltered, even now more than before. If you rocked with us on the previous podcast, you recognize we really don't give a rip. And now we super don't give a rip. Yeah, because we're independently wealthy. In, in oh. the spirit. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> Independently wealthy in his grace. Yeah, and 100%. Mercy. A yeah. Lot, of, lot of grace and a lot of mercy. If I can convert that into currency, boy. Mercy to currency. Mercy currency. Hallelujah. Ah, anyway, all right, man, let, let's get this ball rolling. So, you know, my thought was, you could ask a question. I mean, yeah, it almost seems open-ended. It almost seems rhetorical. It almost seems, good God, why the hell would you ask that? But let's 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 go there how how do you think mr chandler 
that we got here? How do you think we ended up in a place in a space where we know that in this nation we have a chasm of sorts with a group of people on one side as opposed to a group of people on the other side. And yeah, we'll attack the people in the middle as well. Not attack, attack. You get the point. Bunch of fence sitters. Yeah, I know, right? Just straddling the fence. I'm just kidding. Pick a side, cowards. Yeah, no, actually, we, we love you guys the most. We're just playing. <laughs> I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but yeah, let's have that conversation. But yeah, we got folks on two different sides here. And some of that could be classified by color, but not always, not necessarily. But it doesn't matter because somehow we've managed to figure out, you know, this is super deep context here, that we all worship the same God. But somehow in that worshiping, we come out with two very different ideas of who this God is. And, you know, we could remain baffled by this or we could do what we're getting ready to try and do right now, which is break down the context, the construct, the infrastructure, the blueprint, whatever you want to call it and determine exactly why this is so that we can hopefully find some means of resolve and reconcile, if nothing else, in our own little camp and pray that that grows. But how do you think that we got here, sir? You know, no, no pressure, <laughs> just again. Yeah. What an easy question to answer. Well, the only way to figure out where you got somewhere is to go back and see where you came from. And do you mean, do you mean history? History. What's, what's that? It's uh, things that have happened in the past, uh, whether... They've happened because of you or around you or before you, you know. But yeah. uh, the issue with history is that uh, sometimes it's hard to decipher what's fact and what's fiction because the people who are in control tend to write it, you know. Is that really a thing? That's, That's kind of a thing. But I think how we got here is that we just are more aware of the divide that's probably existed for a long time. Mm -hmm. And when you become aware of something... <laughs> you tend to be a little more uh, aggressive in either trying to fix said problem or protect said, <laughs> uh, mm. I guess, beliefs. I I'm, not, I'm not really sure, but there, there's been this, this kind of awakening. And when you really look back over, I mean, we could just do like the history of America, I guess, but it yeah. goes back further than that. Probably a good idea to just <laughs> park it there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was uh, there was basically a rift in how people believed way back in, you know, the 1600s. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to come. And then there was a rift in the 1700s. And so people decided to, you know, uh, revolt. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there was a rift in the 1800s and we decided to have a full-blown civil war. Ah, and then mm -hmm. there was a rift in the 1900s and we decided to have, you know, a civil rights movement. Ah. And now there's a rift today where those who are in power and the old way of viewing the world is clinging desperately to the last vestiges of hope that they have to retain said power. And they're doing so with very predictable tactics. And the, the reason why those tactics are predictable and yet also not foreseen by people who fall prey to them is because they work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so when something works, uh, it worked way back in during multiple world wars when we had misinformation and lies and and that would happen. And uh, that's going on now in, in full force. And it's it's not just happening among what's kind of weird about the Internet age, right, is that we have access to Every information. Day. Yeah. But it also means that people who would use it for nefarious reasons have access to a platform. Hey, OK. All right. 
yeah, so so why are we there now? You know, people keep keep telling me, well, it's hard to discern what's real and what's not. I had a friend text me on the January 6th stuff, and he goes, you know, I'm reading so many different things, and there's so many different views. And it's like, did you watch any of the actual trial? Quit reading synopsises about things. Yeah. Go to the sources, people. I have told many people I have read bills recently, like over the last several years, which is boring as all get out. But that's the best way to like actually see some of the language right. and some of yeah. the actual content and I guess, you know, intent of <laughs> why things are being done and written. And you can kind of see some of the, I guess, intentionality behind why people are doing what they're doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I, um, I think about it and obviously from, from the context of which I view a lot of what I do, uh, especially now being a pastor more than any other thing I've ever been in my lifetime, kind of aspire to a true understanding of how to approach this from that beautiful Christian standpoint and putting it into some practical uh, terminology. It's funny, man, because you said you don't want to go too far back. You don't want to go outside of America. I feel like I have no choice but to now. Oh, we can. I just didn't know if you wanted this to be like a, a Ken Burns length yeah, uh, no, no, podcast no, no, no. We're good. 27 We're good. hours. Yeah. No, Plus, not, I'm, I'm not that good a historian. You know, <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm not either. I do love history, but there's one thing in particular that I do want to go back to. And it's uh, around the 300s. I think it was 327. Oh, uh, that was a good year. Yeah, it was. It was a really, really good year. <laughs> I think the, the Mets won the pennant. <laughs> Dang. That's <laughs> yeah. messy. Yeah. Ah, well, I guess some things never change. Anyway, no, you know, it, any any Christian understanding Christian history knows that back then that was supposed to be a great, great time because Constantine adopts Christianity and puts it into the mainframe of the large system. And that's something that we can celebrate, right? Because, you know, it was, you would think it was speaking truth to power and the birth of all these things. Well, no, because there's a guy that I, I love uh, by the name of Vince Bantu, and he being more the real Christian historian, really kind of laid a framework that most folks really don't pay attention to that I think actually has a lot of practical application in today's context as well, where uh, he pretty much said that when Constantine adopted the understanding of what we would think would be Christianity today, nothing to the magazine, but we love them, uh, we get the opportunity to witness something that was actually really kind of dark and tragic, which is the infiltration of the culture of that time into the faith and the production of what could be considered today Christian nationalism. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that we know this is because then they tried to take that show on the road and do quote unquote mission work. But what they discovered was they were actually taking it to the Coptic regions of Africa, to the Middle East, to certain parts of Asia, and they were trying to introduce their version of Christianity to what was, get this, the indigenous original <laughs> Christianity. Yeah, existing Christianity. Exactly. It was already there. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And what they ended up doing was they, even to the point of potential martyrdom of these indigenous Christians, were trying to get folks to accept their version of Christianity, which was an abrogation. So, so it's, it's funny to me to see that now we're in a time where kind of on both sides, and some of it is really more so occultic practices, you know, we've, we've had discussions about a lot of different things. And uh, I thought there's a huge irony in the fact that some white Christian nationalists and some Hebrew Israelites kind of abide by some of the same guidelines and maybe even the same stuff in the Bible to uphold their versions of their arguments. And, and so for me, it's, it's bewildering to say that we can sit here now, have this conversation and be like, how do we get here? Well, from a faith standpoint, it's not that 
we we got here. It's that we've always been here, but people always kind of turn a blind eye to the fact that this stuff has been in our faces. But because of the ahistoric practice, because of the myopic or short-sighted worldview that so many people have, they find themselves stuck in a moment and they think that the moment is either perfect Mm -hmm. or it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And so we got to either fight to, I love you, the fact that you use the word protect to keep things perfect or to not keep, to keep things perfect <laughs> right, and right. begin to kind of overthrow things. So, so yeah, I think that that's a, a good place to get started, but also just to kind of take this into a, a different space. You said something that, you know, it's kind of grinding my gears for a hot minute and I know that we need to unpack it. Uh, misinformation, mm. you know, it's <laughs> misinformation is <sighs> it's impressive to see the amount of it that's out there right now. You know what I'm saying? And so I got a random question. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I just, I, I want us to operate in our humanity. Have you ever operated in a school of thought that was related to misinformation? And if so, what was it? And, and it can't be fandom because, <laughs> you know. Well, oddly enough, fandom might cause us to cling to misinformation. Ooh, oh because I mean, the root word there is fanaticism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when we actually, that's kind of the weird thing. Like when we become a fan of something, we become a fanatic of something, right? right. So, and fanatic does not have a positive connotation, but fandom seems to be fine, right? Right, right, right. right. Like, you know, it, one, one's fine. One's not, even though they're, they're basically synonyms. What's weird about kind of this strange divide is I don't, I've never put a sticker on my car for any politician that I voted for. (laughs) Although I've had strong feelings uh, about politicians who I supported or whatnot. I did finally buy uh, a hat, you know, a few years back because we talked about Andrew Yang at uh, a couple different times. Of course. And that was the first time I ever donated anywhere, but it wasn't out of fandom. It was out of ideas and ideals. Mm-hmm. hoping for someone who maybe could push some sort of, I mean, I'll, I'll call it middledom, even though I think the middle is a weird thing because when you watch Star Wars, everybody thinks that they're the, the rebellion and, and never the empire. And right now we have a bunch of people who, who say, I'm in the middle without any self-awareness of where they actually are mm-hmm. and where, what the middle actually is or means. Because I, I don't think that if you are... If you're actually engaging with information, regardless of whether it's misinformation or or factual information, I don't understand how you can find yourself in the middle. (laughs) So if if you're engaging with information, you're going to find things that are going to either sway you kind of one way or the other. Yeah. Now, the issue is, is what information are you dealing with? So for me, the where I found myself in maybe the mid 2000 era of my life. So probably before I moved here, I was engaging in uh, like the Bill O'Reilly show, uh, Glenn Beck books, mm, mm. you know, and there was, there's a lot of stuff in there that, that at the time felt like, oh, well, all of this is very logical and very, you know, it's just, it's obvious. It's common sense, which yeah. is, Listen, there's nothing common about common sense. First of all, it's pretty <laughs> uncommon. And secondly, who, d- who deems what the common part is? There's your question. So I engaged uh. with that stuff. And now in hindsight, it's so easy to unpack a lot of these surface level arguments for what they are as just, you know, 
propaganda pieces or, or these easy little liners to basically explain a simplistic worldview for something that is extremely complex. Right. And I think that's where we really struggle as, as a people is that when things get complex or things get difficult or things get messy, we don't really want to push through it. You know, we, we don't want to open up a bill and, and read the verbiage because that, that's difficult. But it, that's the Boring. level of complexity yeah. that you have to go to if you actually want yeah. like proper information. The, the only other option is to do a really deep dive and, and vet sources that you can trust whether it's certain reporters or certain friends or certain leaders. But what happens there is they, they kind of eventually get 100% of your trust and, and run away from any type of accountability or kind of revalidation. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I've seen that happen with pastoral leadership a lot. Uh-oh. Because you can, you can meet a pastor or go to a church and, and just be fully bought in, but if you don't continue to check in on that and keep things accountable, yeah, yeah, <laughs> then yeah. suddenly what, wherever Absolutely. they're going, you're just going to fall. Exactly. Yeah. And I say the same thing, especially now. And being a pastor, one of the first things that I encourage my folks to do is to keep an amount of healthy skepticism about even the stuff that comes out of my mouth. Yes. Because I know that I can be wrong of at course. any point in time. Now, oftentimes, in most instances, I've studied enough and try to keep myself out of a silo so that I can be fair and at the same time, you know, check field folk if necessary, which is fun for me, maybe not for them. But it's interesting to me because you kind of said something that reminded me, um, I did a, a piece on canceling cancel culture a little while ago because that's something else that we probably need to talk about. And one of the big pieces of my research that I discovered was that folks kind of bought in to the solidarity or the absolutes of whatever their camp was. And the reason why they did was because these sides, as we will just continue to call them, got really good at following the, the game plan of, or the blueprints of fandom and fanaticism. And so really it's like a sports team type of deal. And you'd be amazed to kind of take a look at, you know, how they are able to build these things out until you think about, you know, for example, what was it, 2014 here in Chesapeake, Virginia, at a bar that shan't be named because I can't remember it right now, but that's all right. <laughs> um, but no, there was a guy who was sentenced to, I think it was like seven to 10 years in prison for an altercation that happened in said bar mm. in which he accidentally, but nonetheless, killed another man. And the thing about it was they got into a fight. And the reason why, if you're in Virginia, especially this part, you know dang well where I'm going with this because Cowboy and Redskins fans don't get along. <laughs> I was going to say, was it NASCAR? Oh, no, no NFL. Yeah, that's not. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And so I can't remember also, which it, fans it's, killed. It's the commanders. Oh yeah. Now. Well, back then it was the Redskins. <laughs> I can't remember which fan would kill which fan. And I'm pretty sure that even if I did, somebody would be quick to be like, oh yeah, I bet you it was the Cowboys fan that owned them. Right. Like, son, right, of course. that's not what this yeah, is that's about. Not... You know, it's, it, that, <laughs> yeah. That's not the direction we need to take yeah. this in. That's, that's not the, the flex you think it is. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But the reason I say that is because it was a narrative that was a preset for what ended up now becoming you know, the radical left versus the religious right, which, you know, both of those were very laughable names in themselves. But, mm -hmm. but that's the thing. They've been able to produce this buy-in on something that 
really has nothing to do with the price of bananas, but they make it so because they get you to strap on to and buckle into these absolutes and just kind of rock with them. And you and I both know that that's really not how this works because everything is nuanced. Like you got to really be able to sit down and have a conversation with somebody to discover, hey, it's not all black and white. You and I can sit down and, and we can have a conversation and I can tell you that even in my my blackness, if we're talking like skin color, for example, there's a lot of other pieces to play their part. There's a Puerto Rican in there somewhere. There's a Dutch Jew in there somewhere. There's potentially an Asian in there somewhere. So I can't sit up here and say I'm blackity black and I'm black, y'all. Like I can. And I appreciate the sentiments of my roots and my culture. But then also I, I grow to appreciate the sentiments of my roots and my culture. Yeah. And it ain't yeah. just that we came over from a continent so, so long ago and that somebody <laughs> called my, my great, great, great granddaddy Toby or something. Like, it's not just that. It's a whole bunch of other stuff. And so, likewise, these conversations that we're having about people's stances and views on things, there's a grand unpack that is missing. I agree with you right. 100% on that. And that's the complexity part of it, right? Like, there's, there's complexities to each one of us as an individual. Yet, your experience in your life is going to be widely defined by you simply being black. None of those other complexities are really allowed to play into how the rest of the world interacts with you, similar to how my experience is going to be because I'm white. The world is going to simply play into that. They don't care about any other background. They don't care about social economic. They don't care about education. They don't care about religion. A lot of it just comes down to what is the surface thing that I can see? And I think that's where the, the trouble kind of lies, right? So I, I kind of equate this, like a lot of times I equate uh, change to exercise. <laughs> so you have to basically uh, yeah. tear the muscle down. It's a painful process. It requires effort. It requires recovery. And that's how things grow and then change mm -hmm. physically, right? So I kind of like to equate some of what we need to do to understand proper information or digest information in, in a way that is sound, similar to, to diet, right? Mm -hmm. So I recently had my, my gallbladder removed. That was fun. Basically, I had a gallbladder attack and was told in order to avoid another attack, which I desperately wanted because it was horrific, <laughs> I was told you have to radically change your diet. Well, how do you radically change something, especially when, when it's choices made by you? Well, I'm in full control of my diet. There's nobody else who is going to eat food for me. I'm not a bird. They're not going to eat food and then, you know, and spit it into my gullet, right? Like that's not, that? <laughs> that I'm the, the only one in control of this, right? Come on, man. Right. But what, what I'm saying is, is that when you're changing something like your diet and it's based on your choices, you have to go from passive choices Mm -hmm. So the choices I've always made is to, you know, grab a soda, grab a pizza, grab a burger to active choices. Oh, wait, I, I can't eat that or this will happen. Mm -hmm. So now you have to be active in your choices. Okay. What happens is when we engage in these, these kind of sideisms or uh, trying to understand what's fact from fiction or information from misinformation, whatever it may be. We have to now be a lot more active in how we engage with said information. Mm -hmm. So one of the examples that I was just thinking about where you said, you know, we've got people in the middle too. I don't know of anyone who I deem to be uh, embracing progressivism mm -hmm. who's ever told me that they think they're in the middle. It's <laughs> fair. But I know there, there's also nobody that I really know who would call themselves an extreme 
right winger who doesn't say I'm in the middle. So, so already we know that, that one side is, it has this awareness, Hey, this is where I'm at. And they don't think it's the middle. Mm-hmm. And this other side is on the other, literally the other side. Well, if you have two sides, one cannot be in the middle. That's not how the middle works, people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, right, right. But they think that they're in the middle, which means they've already come to the table saying, I am more uh, grounded and I am more sensible in my belief because I'm in the middle. But they've never actually given themselves, if, if you're in the middle, and yet you line by line disagree with everything someone on the left says, then you're not in the middle. You're on the right because you disagree with everything. So that's not, right. that's just not how the middle works. Nope. So what needs to happen is you just have to be so much more actively aware and engaging of what you're, what you're, you know, ingesting into your mind and what things are having impacts on you in your life. And, you know, I'd like to ask people, uh, when's the last time you changed your mind about something that mattered? Ooh, okay. Don't do that. And it, it just kind of struck me. So one of the <laughs> one of the people running for Congress. So today is the Virginia GOP primary. Yeah. So we are picking who's going to go up against the uh, incumbent Democrat uh, Elaine Loria. There are four different people yeah. that you can you can pick, which seems like a lot. That already seems like a weird thing. There being Except four, you can remember the twenty twenty elections. The, yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. eighty three people on both sides. But one of the campaigns from one of the women running the campaign is she is the radical left or the woke left's worst nightmare. Yeah, I've seen the commercials. Okay, now everyone who would support her, if I talk to them. All of them say, you know what? All I want people to be is just good to other, just be kind to people. Like that's always the, the answer. Just be kind to people. Racism's a problem. You know, if we're just kind, racism goes away. Well, okay. Then there's just too many people not being kind, I so guess. Ready to call shenanigans do, yet? Do, do you or, know what I mean? Like yeah. everything is, again, complex situation solved by simplistic, you know, basically trademark. Be kind. That's, that's just simply not how you solve a complex situation. And so what happens is the same people who say those types of things, be kind, just be good to people. Hey, I'm in the middle, whatever it is. Then they hear that campaign. Why does that commercial work on them? If they want to be kind and in the middle and be united and bring America together, yet the ad campaign is the woke left's worst nightmare. <laughs> Does that sound to you like someone who's? I mean, of course, in the in the middle and yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it makes all the sense in the world when you realize that that's what they've been conditioned to think is the right. middle. Which means they need to be active about what they're being surrounded with and what they're being influenced by, as opposed to passive. Because they keep saying they want this one thing, but they're they keep passively consuming this other thing. Hey, 281G fam, this is Jordan. And I wanted to invite you to engage with us. And you can do so, so far by one of two ways. The first is by good old fashioned email. The number two, America's, the number one, God podcast at gmail.com. The other is our 2A1G conversation space you can find on FB. Engage, ask real questions. Heck, bleed if you are frustrated. It's all good. We can take it. We just want to support you. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, share, rate, 
review, all those other crazy things, uh, but just help get the word out. Hey, thank you to A1G family for your support and for continuing to make sure the truth reclaims the fringes. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and Elena Rabbit Trail is one of the pieces that I'm reminded of from the little cancel culture piece that I did as well was I presented them with a very interesting story in the beginning uh, that really cannot be refuted because it happened. And so let's, let's take... Oh, two. I can refute things that happened. Oh, I see yeah. people do it all the time. <laughs> this is true. I mean, to be fair, but we're also in refutation yes. of said refute. Yes. So if I were to tell you that the following two people were best friends, what would you say? And now listen to these names. Listen very, very clearly. Okay. Falwell Sr. Okay. Larry Flint. Mm, right. I'm not, not surprised, to be honest, but... I yeah. mean, but yeah, obviously, but yeah. let's break that yeah. stuff down. And for those of y'all who don't know in context, you know, Jerry Falwell Sr., founder of, you know, Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. Let's not talk about what his son did. We'll leave that alone. Kind, of, of, kind of a big deal in yeah, the religious yeah. world. Yeah. Super big deal, especially during that time. And of course, Larry Flint, the founder of the... Hustler magazine. Hustle, baby. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. So they ended up going to court countless times, and it was funny because Falwell took Flint to court over. I can't. I can't even remember exactly what it was because it doesn't matter because it was probably stupid then as it is stupid now. But here's the deal: Falwell lost to Flint, which you know, if <laughs> if you're that kind of of Christian, that kind of believer, then you are offset basically and probably hell bent to make that man's life. A living hell. And, and what ended up happening was they ended up on a variety of different talk shows, different other pieces, and they would be going at each other's throats. But then in the back rooms, they would start having these conversations and they would realize that, you know, despite the obvious, you know, views that they had that were against, they had a lot that were for. And before it was all said and done, things were happening. They would legit be exchanging Christmas gifts with, with, with the family. <laughs> and then when, when Falwell Sr. passes away, Larry Flint actually speaks at funeral. You know, you can't make this stuff up. Mm. And so I realized that the radicalism in that is really what speaks to the radicalism of our current situation where we see the inversion, you know, or the aversion, where everybody feels like if somebody is against you, you automatically have to be the super anti-tolerant, whatever it is. And specifically, I think it's ironic that you can look at Falwell, who in all of the fundamentalism of, of what he is and everything that he represented could be befriend and almost kind of be family. This individual, you know, it, it speaks to what I, I understand about how we approach anti-God, you know, because in today's environment, we approach anti-God as though it's, this enemy. And I mean, you see it, it's everything that you think the divisive concepts that represent the woke left or whatever the case may be, uh, are supposed to be infiltrating into, into our world when in all actuality, anti-God has always only been one thing according to Jesus. And that's the mission field. If you take the individuals that he was approaching and talking to in the Bible, if you take all of them, you know, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the pagans and disreputable sinners, the people that the, the Pharisees called scum, you know, these are the folks that he did life with on a daily basis. And then in that we saw transformation. Like, how do you think that this new makeup, this new setup where we're trying to legitimately strip the rights of people that you think are sinners? How do we <laughs> think that how, how do you think that Jesus would really feel about that? Right. Like have that conversation. You yeah. know, and so I really think that we're in a place in a space. And I think that's also the reason for the birth of this podcast in particular, where 
we need to identify and begin to address those key pieces where you can even say one side is fully right and one side is fully wrong and just be ready for the unpopularity of that because how dare we? But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those things where we begin to bring everybody to the table, whether you want to come to the table or not, and just say, hey, let's have this conversation and let's full on own the fact that sometimes you have to throw away the press positions. Like I tell my kids in, in my class that I teach, you know, you got to throw away some of the things that you knew because when you begin to unpack the Bible and see it for what it's really worth, mm-hmm. it might take something that you've known for your entire life to be a truth and say, sorry, playboy, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> and I mean, hey, listen, I had kids leave my class in tears sometimes because they realize they've got a lot more to unpack. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, folks, get ready because sometimes you may have to cry because there might be some things you have to unpack. Well, and your beliefs are wrapped up in your identity. Yeah. And so if you have a belief that's now tested and you, you have this crossroads now, am I going to be willing to actually kind of attack this belief and know that it could shatter a bit of my, <laughs> my identity? Yeah. But to me, I mean, I just think about this. Have you ever asked someone a question? Hey, if you knew you were wrong about something, would you not want to know it? Mm-hmm. I mean, so we can talk about this like in a sports concept, right? Oh, I think, uh, you know, 58 home runs is the most home runs in a season. Well, you, you can easily look that up and empirically measure the, the stats and know that that's simply not true. Even after the asterisk for the steroids. Well, but ev- that's why I use, <laughs> but that's also why I use 58 because 58 isn't even accurate pre-steroids. Okay, so now we're told, we're told, well, that's all time, but I'm talking just in a, in a season even. Okay, okay, let's even go smaller, right? So it was, it was Ruth had 60 and then Maris had 61. So 61 was the record pre-steroid era. So if you said 58, Maris hit 58 and say, well, he hit 61. If you present that data to somebody, are they going to be like, that's nonsense. I don't believe, well, no, but also. Somebody will. We'll figure it out. Maybe. But also, the, the stakes are a lot lower. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it should change your willingness to change your own mind if presented with, with factual information. Ooh. And so that's where we need... And if anything, isn't it more important to change your mind when the stakes are higher? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> isn't it more important to change your mind when something really, really does matter? I mean, I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree 100%. And, you know, that, that's one of the biggest pieces, obviously. But then I do want to add to that because I said something about it before. You know, the misinformation piece of the cat that we don't want to bring up in this conversation, but we're still going to bring it up, rhymes with Chris Rufo. And it still baffles me that this man is a filmmaker, uh, yet somehow people have listened to all this other stuff that he said as if it was truth and law, just because it sounds like what they want to hear, which we'll unpack that too one day. Y'all ain't ready for Second Timothy. <laughs> I, I couldn't find the direct quote, and I don't really want to find it because it doesn't matter because I know that he said it. And then he went on, what, Fox News, something else that really is nothing but a, a fear monger on, on all fronts. I won't unpack that now. We don't have time. You know, so he goes on there and he starts talking about basically how he wants to take everything that they would not agree with everything that they are not comfortable with. And I guess in this case, that would be folks on the far right and turn that into what they would call CRT, which, by the way, again, have yet to have anybody that I've had a conversation with give me a full on definition from that side of what CRT really is. So basically, he said that if anything that we don't agree with, we're going to compact all of that into this one definition. And so what they think that they've done is they have bulletproofed 
what I will call the concepts of a conspiracy theory. Because if you can bulletproof something, then obviously there's no way that you can disprove it. And the funny thing is, this can be fully disproved. But it's all resting on the laurels of how somebody feels as opposed to what somebody knows. Right. And feeling is not wrong. There's no problem with feeling as long as you don't use that to fracture the concept of what could be facts and or truth. Because sometimes there's a difference between those two things as well. And so one of the things that we're going to encourage here, (laughs) you best believe, is that I'm going to ask everybody to keep a good portion of their feelings in check when represented with this information. Because I got people on both sides. When I have conversations with them, they just immediately spout off something that I know was based in feelings. And I'll ask them to back it up for a second (laughs) and just think long and hard about this before we continue said conversation. And in most cases, most of them will. Yeah, let's, let's face facts. On a corporate level, that's always going to be an issue. But when you can really begin the process of having the one-on-one conversations, that continues to change things. That's why I brought forth the whole Larry Flint and Falwell <laughs> Senior conversation. Because I mean, literally, dog, think about it. What if they didn't do that? What if it was just legitimately them continuing to be at each other's throats in public and nothing in private? I guarantee you that we would not be telling the same story. So I definitely don't want that. But Well, and what that also says is... You need, again, you need to kind of be aware of who you're surrounded with and what you're doing, mm-hmm. because I certainly don't fault anyone for being friends with anybody who has uh, dissimilar beliefs. That's fine. But depending on, but there's also a big difference when you're a religious leader and you are literally buddy-buddy with someone who's running a pornography empire. At some point, you probably need to draw a line somewhere, but let's think about that. They had enough in common because how many friends do you have where you have nothing in common? That's not how friendship works. They had enough in common. I'm just going to go out on a limb, I don't know, empire building on the backs of people who don't have a whole lot of power or vulnerable. I'm just going to say that. But they had enough in common to actually be friends. Well, if they have enough in common to be friends... There's got to be some similar over, overlapping worldview, and you're talking about someone who created a mega Christian university and someone who created a pornography and gambling empire. Mm-hmm. I mean, just ask yourself, why, why are those people, how are they aligned? What did they find in common? And what did they find in common enough to overlook who they you know, were to the rest yeah, of the world. Absolutely. Okay, so there's, yep. that's interesting thing to unpack there. Yeah. To your yeah. point about Rufo, this is, once again, this is taking a complex situation in CRT, very complex situation, and trying to simply wash it away or solve it with a very simplistic answer. Yeah. That's just not how this stuff works. And that's basically the playbook that somebody like him or somebody like Shapiro or somebody like Tucker Carlson... If I can pack you, if I can give you an information, if I can give you an answer that's super simplistic, mm-hmm. you don't have to dig any further, then you're just going to take it as, as gospel. Yeah. And it's so easy to actually take this stuff and try to find the counterpoint. And, and here's what I tell, I tell this to Christians all the time too. I'm like, why on earth would you be worried about talking to a Muslim about their faith or a Buddhist or an, or an atheist, why would you be worried about, if you believe that God's word is the absolute truth, mm-hmm. why would you ever be concerned about putting that up against something else? <laughs> if you know it's absolute, well, why on earth are you so terrified of putting up these, you know, one little tagline things from these media personalities? Why are you so worried about putting those things up against something else? If it's absolute truth, it's going to hold. 
But those things just crumble the moment you actually dig. And the moment you get a little more complex and the moment you get a little more active in what you're believing and digesting and, and surrounding yourself with. Yeah. And it's also because they don't know squat. No. And that's unfortunately on both sides. There's a lot of what I would like to call folk theology where they just hear it or see it from somebody and they think that's it and that's all that they need and that's dead wrong. Whoa. Let's revisit. Um, and I've gotten updated stats too, which I will not lay out because they're even more sad, uh, sadder, whatever. What's how do you say that correctly? More disheartening. Gram- more. Grammar. <laughs> grammar. Does, doesn't matter. Well, no, because remember in, in, in 2020, when we were all going through it, basically, yeah. uh, 20%, 22% of Christians uh, actually were in their Bible on a weekly basis. And then 30% were not in it at all. And then they contributed to the 60% that were in it four times a year or less. And then you wonder why we were in such disarray as Christians and believers and, and people who were supposed to really not be in fear because we trust God. Now, um, on the flip side of that, we were spending 484 hours on social media. Let's not even talk about how many hours on mass media. And then at best, you spent an hour and a half on Sunday if your church opened back up right. with your pastor. And you wonder right. why we're a miss on things like gospel and gospel fluency. Now you flip the script. I'll save you all the details of those stats now. I'll give you one stat and spe- uh, specifically. Uh, the ABS, the uh, American Bible Society, uh, was able to conduct, along with Barna, uh, a survey where they determined that only seven, you know what, let me give the, the lofty hopeful number, 9% of Christians in America are actually operating out of what would be considered biblical truth. Mm-hmm. 9%, again, <laughs> probably seven, but... Yeah. Nine percent are actually after being surveyed, right. are being determined based off of theology, not just doctrinal structure, but dogma itself. Mm-hmm. Are only nine percent of Americans actually believe and operate in the sense of what you would actually look in the Bible and wrestle and struggle with, but say, you know what, I gotta abide by this. So I'm gonna do that. And again, let's take a look around. I think that that's the thing that that really pinpoints what we are addressing today. And the fact that we have 30% on one side, 30% on the other side of this nation, 40% in the middle. And of them, somebody's got to believe in Jesus. Maybe not all of them. Although some really would. Fewer and fewer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or, you know, they say that they would. But, I mean, that speaks a lot to what we could and will unpack here. But one of the things that I think we need to do most is address the fact that in a sense, everybody is right. And in a sense, everybody is wrong. Yeah. Culturally. But then what does the Bible say about these things? Because if we all say that we believe in him and we're trying to pull out the infrastructure of what Jesus did, how he laid it out, you know what I'm saying? It's not just about the instruction. It's not just Torah because that's what, especially the right wants you to believe and then pro-Israel and all that other stuff and where it comes from. And the black folk believe in loving your fellow man and actually taking care of them. And the left believes in, you know, just we can right. pinpoint all of right. these things. So yeah, you're right and that you're not right. Mm-hmm. But what, what does the Bible say? And then when we finally bring everyone together and we have this cohesion 
you know, because I think about look, our group, you know, we have, what was it, the 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 Fab Five or Top Five or something? Yeah, uh, something yeah, like that. Phone plans, and then, you know, back in MySpace, you had your Top Eight. Yeah. You know, so me and Devin, we got a Top Eight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it looks like you would think it might look. A lot of black people, a lot of white people, maybe like a Hispanic in there somewhere. <laughs> and we, we stay in each other's worlds, and we love each other, and we don't all have the same worldview. Not by any means, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, we do have each other's backs mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's community. And then I look at my life now, you know, I'm a pastor at a church that is beautiful, love my people, but they are a very old school, blue collar, mm-hmm. white, mm-hmm. white, we're working on it, but white church. Yeah. And so I've had to have some very interesting conversations there, but folks have been open. You know, even if at the end of the day, we still didn't agree, we were still open to having the conversation and they know that I am for them and that I love them. And so we continue to navigate, and move through these things in society as they have been. America doesn't do that. No. Well, humanity doesn't do that. Like people it doesn't do that. And well, that's, again, we got to keep it here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like you said, look, not not everybody is fully right and not everybody's fully wrong. OK. Where you separate the wheat from the shaft. Right. Is mm-hmm. where. When you're wrong, you're willing to figure that out. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that's the problem that, that's going on right now is, is no one's willing to, to figure it out. And look, it may sound like we kind of uh, right wing bash a little bit. And let me just give a little bit of context as to why that's true. <laughs> um, and, and, it, but it, it, and I'm not going to say it's because, you know, the left is correct because they're not. They're wrong in plenty of things. Oh, boy. The issue is, is the... The conservative, the the people who would call themselves Christians, the majority of them are not being corrupted by leftist media. No, true. So Paul doesn't go to, you know, the Romans and say, well, you guys are are doing and say all the things that the Corinthians are doing wrong. (laughs) He goes to the Romans and said, hey, here's what you're struggling with. Here's what you need to try to fix. Then he goes to the next church, you know, and he says, here's what you need to fix. And the next church, here's what you need to fix. He doesn't go to different churches and then sling mud at, at other things. That's not how it works. Right. The vast majority of people who deem themselves Christians who are being, you know, corrupted by media are being corrupted by a certain brand of media. True story. Okay. So when we talk about those things, it's not to, I mean, it might vilify because in some cases I do believe there are plenty of villains, but what it is, is an accountability and a call to action for those who are struggling with that. So if you're consuming your world with the Fox Newses or the Epoch Times or, uh, God forbid, uh, uh, OAN or Newsmax or Infowars to get even further, further crazy, listen, check yourself against it. If, If that stuff, truth, if that holds up, okay, good for you. But when's the last time you checked against it? Mm-hmm. you're not you're allowing this stuff to infiltrate into your minds and and what's worse infiltrate into your hearts and and change your worldview way more than either the people who are in your community or the people in your church or the living word in that book we're, we're not reading enough of yeah yeah <laughs> so just to add a little disclaimer look we're we're not purposely coming after one group over the other. Well, we are purposely doing it, but it's because it's, it's a purposeful focus on what our fellow Christians are struggling with. Yep. They're not struggling because they're watching Rachel Maddow too much. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, no. And you know, I, it's fine. I'll, I'll, uh, 
I'll make that a meta conversation just just for kicks and giggles because I would encourage everybody to turn all of them off. Yeah, that's not a bad not, idea too. Yeah, no, it's really, really, really not because that's a big part of why we have that chasm once again. And so, you know, again, the question was, how do we get here? You know, the word is division. And the bottom line is that there are cultures that promote this division and they have to be on both sides. And if we want to have a real conversation, it's because it makes all the money. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, what is it? I can't remember exactly which two, but apparently there are two that are subgrouped under the arm of the same parent company. So somebody's out there making money off of both sides. Yeah. The same parent company that's been in court and says any sane person wouldn't believe what we're actually saying because we're not actually a news corporate. Right. Yeah. That exactly. one. Yeah. 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 I mean, 100%. it's not that hard to just look at that and find documentation from hosts of the shows that you're watching literally admit that we don't believe that anyone with a sound mind would actually believe the stuff we're saying. And that's how they're getting out of libel situations and yeah. out of misinformation situations. They are admitting that they are not a news entity and in fact are basically using you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And what they're also doing is they're saying that they think that you are worthy of receiving said misinformation, which is a bit of a slap in the face. Right. That's even worse. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, our encouragement here at, at good old 2A1G, uh, even though it's good young, because this is our first episode, I, I'm a challenge y'all for real. Take, take what, 15, 20, 30 days, cut off that stuff. Open your Bible Maybe get a reading plan or something. And then this is the real thing. Find somebody in your world. And if you don't have one, that's telling as well. Uh, but find somebody <laughs> in your world that doesn't have the same worldview as you and sit down and have a God honest conversation with them. And a good faith conversation. Yeah. I think that's what we're lacking in a lot today. Yeah. So a good faith conversation means you're going into a conversation that you realize might might engage in divisive topics right but the good faith part is i truly want to understand why someone believes differently than i do mm -hmm. and i want to reflect on that as opposed to you know a, change their mind or you know debunk this or attack that a good faith conversation is what we're lacking a bunch of there's a reason why people say oh don't talk about politics or religion you know at a dinner party the only reason that we can't do this is because we realize no one's going into those things in good faith. That's why right. we can't do it. N exactly. No one says don't talk sports or movies. Why? Because we realize, again, the stakes are less, and so the good faith is a little bit higher on those things. Right. But don't you think we should be talking about the stuff where the stakes are higher? I don't understand why we avoid that. The stakes are higher, people. That means we need to be talking about that stuff more than we talk about nonsense. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is, is nonsense. And also... Nonsense is the inversion of what folks would understand now. You would think that reaching the massive audience is the move, but literally, worlds change one conversation at a time. Yeah, with one and and it, it's slow. It's again, it's back to the building yeah. muscle analogy. You can't lift weights once and you know look like Mr. Universe no. or Mrs. Universe. I don't want to exclude the ladies. Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, definitely. I know. Sorry, um, that's the woke left in me. <laughs> Or egalitarian, yeah, there you or go. you know, yeah. complegalitarian, yeah. or whatever it is, it doesn't even matter. So, you know, I think we're going to bring this one to a close because if not, we could further rabbit trail on this. Mm -hmm. and we will unpack a lot of other different pieces. We'll mailbag some things, and I think there's some other stuff that we're going to do. I will give you some housekeeping. We do have five episodes that we had already started prior to 
the naming of this podcast, so they're going to seem a little disengendered. As a matter of fact, I think we might scrap one just for the sake of scrap. I will, you're going to want to smack me. We'll talk about it later. Huh, okay. You know, I'm doing this on national. I mean, it may not happen, and I'll just I'll, I'll verify that. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I just, hey, listen, again, I'm, I'm excited because at the end of the day, if we know anything, we know that this is something that we got energy for. And I don't know about y'all. I can do this all day in a place where a lot of people have already kind of hung this stuff up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think about the prophets, you know, uh, they were forth tellers and people hated them for it. Mm-hmm. And what is it? What's the new cultural saying? Uh, if people can hate you because of Jesus, that's okay. But if people hate Jesus because of you, mm. that's a problem. Yeah. And right now we got too many people that hate Jesus because they look at his people, his followers, his children, and they are very, very well. They're doing a, a brilliant job at misrepresenting who he was, what he did, what he meant to do, what he represented, and why he died for each and every one of us, even knowing that some folks were still going to say, no, nah, I don't want to believe in you. He still died for him. I think there's a third part that should be added to that. Sure. If that? you've convinced yourself that people hate you because they hate Jesus, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what's going on, too. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, I, I am now being attacked because I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. So they must hate Jesus. No, that's not it. No, nah, dude. That's not it. Uh, the the Jews didn't turn him over and and have him crucified because they were like, well, you know, we hate this guy and that guy. They hated what he might be representing in having to change their own worldviews. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, Ooh. and they'd been told for thousands of years he was on his way. So imagine that. Like... <laughs> Hey, this yeah. guy's coming. <laughs> Here he is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait. He's not doing what we wanted him to do. Yeah. So we don't. What, like what's him. the whole thing? Uh, do this. Whoa, not like that. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Yeah. So yep. malicious compliance. Oh, you so. know, and it's, it's so finicky, too. That's the other thing. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. finickiness later because, you know, one week it was like, Hosanna. <laughs> Next week, right. kill him. Right. Kill Let's him get dead. them palms out and. and Wave them at him and <laughs> let him, him ride no. a little burro. Nope. Yeah. No. Didn't die. Oh, yeah. With Spanish yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jesus Sanchez. Jesus. Hernandez people. <laughs> 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 oh, man. So, yeah, we're going to pack this down. But, yeah, thank you for, for listening to this new rendition of whatever the heck was on our minds that we felt like we needed to get off. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you get a chance. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, share. And even if you don't do that, just start having conversations with people. That's really what we care about because really changing the dynamics of your world is only going to happen one hard conversation at a time. So definitely do that. And as always, uh, I'd say continue to be inspired to inspire because this is still an inspiring thing. But now let's just say continue to do what you can to ensure that the truth continues to reclaim the fringe. No, still not sexy. No. The fringes. No. Yeah, just the fringes. Just, we'll workshop it. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it yeah. out. That's cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm Jordan. I am Devin. And uh, we will definitely be getting at you next time. Peace. 2A1G Podcast is birthed by the Inspired One Enterprises. Executive and co-producers, Jordan Brown and Devin Chandler. Editing and engineering, Lauren Price. Graphics and creative engagement, Alyssa Wise. Intro song for 2A1G done by Dave Hummel Music. Interlude and outro music, Colin Brown. 
voiceover experience for 2A1G done by none other than the original, the Reverend Dr. Clarence R. Brown Jr. Thanks, Pop. And thank you, everybody else, for listening again. Please find us on FB and IG at 2A1G Podcast. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this experience with your world. Thank you once again. And until next time, please do your part to ensure the truth continues to reclaim the fringes. Peace.